Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Joining us again for round two, we have Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas, and Terrence Cushman Jr. coming to us from originally Windham, Maine, now in Myrtle Beach. Are you gents ready? I'm so ready for Hot Take Tuesday. It's happening. It's happening. So, Cody, why don't you lead us off? Why don't you hit us with your first hot take? Oh, man. The first hot take that we got for tonight is courtesy of ZTR88. Thank you for responding to the to the Twitter post. Um, they said the last three weeks were going to be the best parts of the season. A um, lot of opinions here. You know, I'm, I'm sure emotions were running high, you know, fresh off of a sweep from the last place or, you know, lowly St. Louis Cardinals. Um, you know, even though a lot of us here picked them to win the NL Central, we were kind of hoping they wouldn't do it against us. Uh, but there's just no way the last three weeks of the season can be the best part of the season. Sure, they were a lot of fun, a lot of series wins, a lot of highlights, uh, you know, walk-offs and, and great performances. But there's a lot of season left. If you just look at the series alone, we've got series against the Cubs, series against the A's, you know, series against the Yankees. They haven't been beating the barn doors down. Not to mention any win over them is is better. You know, it's like a win and a half in my book at the very least. But I, I like to look forward and I, I have optimism and, and be happy about the season, right? You know, we go so long through the winter without Boston baseball that even if, you know, they aren't playing well, there's still the optimism that today is a new day, right? If you're already considering the season to be over and the last three weeks are the best part of the season, then what are we doing? Like, we, you're just throwing away the rest of the season because of one lousy series. This team is going to bounce back. If nothing else, they've shown that they are a resilient team and they're willing to fight, and that they have more come from behind wins than literally any other Major League Baseball team this year. I just can't get behind the thought that the last three weeks were the best part of the season. It's, I mean, it, it's been kind of a roller coaster uh, three weeks. I mean, your eight-game win streak is in there, um, you know, kind of like Cody was referring to, and, you know, we've kind of ended that period with uh, a little bit of a slump, uh, we've been as high as six or seven games above 500. Now we're hovering at three games above it. So um, it, it has been a lot of fun. I mean, that 16-game streak with Yoshida, I mean, I was already thinking, man, could he at least eclipse what Bradley did in 2016? His ended at 29. Um, you know, Alex Verdugo just been a machine, but... Things have kind of quieted down, and, uh, you know, if, if this is the, the team that, you know, that they kind of teased us with, hopefully, you know, throughout the second half of May, they'll kind of revert back to that, and uh, the offense will be cranking, the bullpen blips will be over with, Sale continues on his run, and, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, even a guy like Paxton, but... They they've certainly um, they've lessened my pessimism uh, a lot uh, during this span. I I think for me uh, it, for for hot take it, it's an interesting take I'll say that much. So for ZTR eighty uh, eight, thank you for sharing uh, your opinion on it. I really don't want to believe that this is going to be the best part of the season. 
Trevor Story isn't back yet. Who knows what other players are going to be added to the team. Uh, Terry, Yoshida might do it again. He might crack 30. I, this might have just been like a, a starter course for, for the, the main that's going to be coming out in the second half of the year. Maybe he ends up hitting 360 for the season, having like a 420 month um, hitting and whatnot. So um, I, I don't know. I, who knows Like with what's going to happen with Paxton, with Sale. Maybe they are able to really, really build on what we saw in their first start in years and what could have been his first win in years. So I, uh, I think that the, you know, <laughs> for the lack of a better phrase, the best is yet to come. And uh, hopefully we can continue to build on, on what we've seen so far. Um, it, it's been fun. No question. And the highs have been great. Eight game win streak, unfortunately a very silly, goofy, three-game sweep that didn't go our way. But I think we could be in for some some excitement moving forward. Anything else that either one of you gents wanted to add? Excellent. Well, to all of our listeners, attention Massachusetts and Connecticut listeners, we have an awesome limited-time promo for any new DraftKings users. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets. Win or lose. All you have to do is use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 and older, and physically present in Massachusetts or Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid. One offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Uh, Terry, why don't you uh, why don't you start us with your first hot take? My first hot take comes from one of our Twitter followers named Eric the J. I'm curious to know what the J is, but. Uh, he says the Red Sox trade Adam Duvall. So Charlie's laughing his butt off. Maybe he gets it. I don't. I don't know why. But so Eric the J again. Red Sox trade Adam Duvall. <laughs> I don't know. That's so funny. But um, two things. Two things have to happen before you trade Adam Duvall. Number one, everybody has to stay healthy. Your whole outfield alignment, uh, you know, needs to stay healthy. Um, none of them really have an extensive injury history, so I, I you can probably assume that at face value. And then Jaron Duran has to keep hitting, you know, at a decent clip. He's still batting well over 300. That's going to come down. It's going to either come down to close to 300 or you know, maybe 270, 280, but you're still going to take that from a guy like Duran. Um, and I don't know that you're going to see a massive fall off with Duran. So this is very plausible. The Red Sox could very well trade Adam Duvall because what do you do with him? You've got Casas turning it around at first base. You got Justin Turner basically locked up at at. Uh, DH and, and also he's an insurance policy in case something happens to Devers. Uh, 
he can play third base for you. So uh, I think as much as I'd love to have Adam Duvall in the lineup, it's hard to not be teased at what he did and, and you know, in the first two, two and a half weeks uh, leading up to his injury, I mean, he was mashing and his numbers are still, I mean, he still has a batting average over, you know, 400. He had nine RBIs in the first series. Like he was flirting with some decades old Red Sox records, but you guys can give your takes on this, but let me ask you one thing. Let me add a layer to his hot take. Would you rather have Adam Duvall or would you rather possibly move Justin Turner? And Turner, before you do kind of weigh in, he's been decent, but, you know, he's only hit three home runs. He's driven in 14. That kind of sounds low. He's hitting 265 with a 362 on base. So, I mean, his numbers are okay off the board, but which one of those two players makes a bigger impact? Boy, that's a, that's an interesting kind of two players to pit against each other, right? Because you have the highs of the highs with Adam Duvall, right? You know, he, he's kerosene to a fire. I don't think Duvall can kind of reach the the power output, the production value that Duvall has. But at the same time, Duvall's lows are are an area that I don't think Turner really touches. Um, as a guy, you know, that's played a lot of, you know, fantasy football and fantasy baseball and, you know, kind of likes to build his his rosters this way. I'm a high floor kind of, kind of guy. And so for that matter, I would have to go Turner in the sense of he's going to give you that 280. You know, he might not leave the yard as often. He might not, you know go on on these absolute tears that that uh duval did at the beginning of the season but he's gonna be able to you know hit a double here and there or keep the lineup moving you know get those singles you know not go through those prolonged droughts that we um you know kind of seen adam duval you know fall victim to so uh, i guess i kind of talked myself into taking turner here but i will say the precipitous drop of of turner being a little bit you know a few years his senior does make it um uh, a bit more frightening to say the least So, Terry, I want to hear you say that. Um, just give me the question one more time. Would you rather have Adam Duvall or Justin Turner, essentially? Is that the question? Yeah. Who would help the Red Sox more at this point? I think we already know the answer. I think it, it, you, you, you've got to lean Duvall here. And, I mean, even with a small sample size, yeah, Justin Turner can, you know, he's – Mr. Longevity, he can play first, third, play DH. He'll probably do whatever you ask him to do. He's a, a super team player. Adam Duvall, yeah, just to reiterate what Cody wrote or said, uh, excuse me, um, kerosene took fire. The guy has done no wrong. And I'm curious to know where his season would be right now if he didn't get injured. Would he be leading the league in home runs? Would he be leading the league in RBIs? Would he still be hitting over 400? Like there, there are so many questions, and it sucks that we don't know because he got injured. He is the reason why we were able to win two games this year. Um, one because of a, a whoopsie error in the outfield, but hey, you, you've taken advantage of opportunities that are presented to you. I think if I had it to keep one guy, as much as I do enjoy Justin Turner, Adam Duvall right now is is the hot hand. 
And when he comes back, I'm hoping that he can build on where he was. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of rust. But given given the opportunity, I think Adam Duvall, the only reason why he is not going to be immediately thrown back into that lineup is because of Jaron Duran. Um, so it, it's it's going to be interesting. But even if you have Adam Duvall coming off the bench, you're not you're not hurting. Uh, Terry. What is so one? Justin Turner, as I said, three home runs, 14 runs batted in. That's what he has going into what almost the third week of May. Adam Duvall has four home runs, fourteen runs batted in, and he only played how many games? Eight games. So, I, so I guess what makes it at least a valid question in, in my mind is. Turner was uh, not Turner. Uh, Duvall was showing you that he could come close to matching the 38 home runs and the league leading 113 ribbies. He hit, uh, and, and he drove in in 2021. So he's not, he's not a high batting average guy. Even that year, he, he only hit uh, 228. His career average is 233. So uh, Justin Turner's a, you know, a, a mid 300 on base guy. You know, I think he's getting on base at a, a 356 clip right now. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't hate either move, but who's more attractive to trade partners, would you say, Duvall or, or Turner? Duvall, of course. Four years, he's four or five years younger. Duvall's thirty-four, I think, and Turner's thirty-eight. I think he's. Uh, you just, you just, yeah. You just dropped his numbers. He's got a four fourteen slash in over four hundred and eight games, and then you got Turner, who's played in forty games, and he's got, to some degree, less production. So I don't even know. That's even a fair question. You got mean, a guy who just like bombs away, and the other one is just uh, okay. Hopefully, he gets a hit. There's going to be a trade that surprises all of us this year. Are, are we sitting here talking about an embarrassment of riches? Are we sitting here talking about all the depth <laughs> that the front office has provided this team? I mean, has, has Bloom done it? Are we talking about the positives that this, uh, this organization has put on the lineup? You have to sell high with Duval right now if that's an option, right? I mean, if you can move him before he comes back, before he hits the skids and bats his, his career average of a 240 – Absolutely do that. I mean, if you can move either one of these, either one of these guys for a starting pitcher, I mean, clearly that has been, you know, kind of the crux of this team at the moment. Um, that would, I think, be a slam dunk move for e- either way, because as optimistic as I am, and I, you know, I think I'm the resident uh-huh, loony Ben in, in regards to that. We know that Duvall is not going to be able to produce like this for the remainder of the season. Yeah, he might be able to hit the home runs. He might be able to drive the runs batted in, you know. If, if people are on in front of him, but we know if we're, he's not going to hit it that quick. And so if we can sell high, um, I'm all for it because, I mean, the start that he had the season was prolific and even in the rosiest of predictions, unsustainable. Officially, I'm good either way. I'll, I'll take either player. You lose a couple of insurance policies uh, if you do move Turner, but that, in my opinion, I think makes him the more attractive trade. Because if somebody's looking for a first baseman, voila, you got Turner. If they need a third baseman, bang, you have Turner. You know, so right. um, 
it just depends. Like how I'm assuming we're going to trade for a starting pitcher. Really, I th- I think that's what we do. You you've got a surplus of starting pitchers. You can simply add to your bullpen, and then you know. So we'll see. But it, it was an interesting hot take from Eric the J. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, cool. So I've got here uh, a hot take from Hellhammer isn't bitter at all, dot, 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 I swear. And that's coming from Hellhammer9999. And Hellhammer wrote, letting J.D. Martinez walk was the biggest mistake for the team and for my viewership. So as far as hot takes are concerned, I can't speak to your viewership. Only you can. So if that's the biggest mistake for your viewership, only you can tell us that. As far as letting J.D. walk being the biggest mistake, J.D. Martinez last year uh, for, I think, four years in a row, and I'm not counting the COVID year because COVID was just a, just a dumb year. His numbers from 2018 through 2022, again, omitting that year, the home runs, the RBIs, the batting average, all three of those went down. All of them. The only number that really went up was doubles. But the run scored went down. Um, you saw like the runs go 111, 98, 92, 76. The home runs went 43, 36, 28, 16. RBIs, 130, 105, 99, 62. I'm not even going to talk about stolen bases. You know, like this, the same thing. Batting average, 330, 304, 286, 274. He wanted to get paid. The Red Sox were not going to be giving him that money. They needed to allocate those funds to what I thought was going to be starting rotation uh, assistance. I thought we were going to go out and get uh, an arm or two or three because we need it. And last year, we needed an arm and we didn't get it. And we what we ended up getting was Trevor Story. And uh, it, I'm not going to say that it, it was the worst decision, but it didn't work out the way that all of us had hoped. And this year, uh, J.D. Martinez is hitting 242. So, again – Continue on the downtrend. Um, he is uh, slashing 518 with homers and RBIs. And if we were to multiply that by four, he's at 20 homers and 70, 72 RBIs. So pretty close to what he did in 2022. The batting average is down. On-base percentage is down. Sluggage is up. His war is next to nothing. Um, and he's not really drawing walks. He's, he's only drawn seven walks this year in L.A., I, I don't. I don't think it's the worst. I don't. I, I'm not going to say that's a bad take. What I would say is that I don't necessarily feel that this would be the biggest mistake, or, or this was the biggest mistake for the team. Uh, Cody, anything you want to add? Yeah, I know that people were taking a lot of victory laps uh, that you know this front office had let JD Martinez go. You know, um, through 13 games at the start of the season, a notoriously slow starter. He was batting 280. He already hit a home run. He had nine RBIs. He had two triples. You know, J.D. Martinez, not fleet of foot, had somehow found his way into two triples, right? And we're like, okay, what the heck is this? As Charlie had, you know, so articulately mentioned, this guy was on a downturn. You know, he looked pitiful at the plate. He was susceptible to the, uh, you know, curveballs or sliders low and away. He was just swinging at nothing. And, you know, he hit 40 doubles last year, which for all of us that watched the games, we're like, where were those 40 doubles? I I couldn't have found them if I were watching the games. But, um you know, in, in terms of your own viewership, as, as again, as Charlie mentioned, we cannot speak to that. But 
there seemed to be a lot of negative energy kind of surrounding him. You know, his his tenure in Boston was great. The five years, 120 or $140 million, I forget the exact details of that contract, was about as good of a win-win as, as you could have gotten, right? I mean, he was a prolific producer here in Boston. Um, you know, he we gave him the the best deal in the market, I think, that he could find at the time because he signed so late in the in, in, <laughs> into the winter. Um it just might have been one of those things that just ran its course. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It's not what you like to see, but you know, hopefully he finds greener pastures elsewhere and, you know, see you on, on the pitch with all teams playing everybody. Terry, what yeah. are your thoughts? Real quick, Terry, uh, before you, you weigh in, I don't think any of us are upset at JD Martinez for leaving. I don't think any of us are going to boo JD Martinez for, uh, you know, deciding to take an opportunity with the Los Angeles Dodgers. J.D. Martinez was one of the key cogs in helping us win a World Series in 2018. J.D. Martinez comes to Boston. Admittedly so. I was a little peeved because he didn't play during spring training. He was holding out for X, Y, Z. He didn't get it. And then he came on. I was just like, oh, here we go. Uh, It's going to be the J.D. Martinez show where he's going to, you know, make it about him. And then he turned that into 43 homers, 130 RBIs, and a 330 batting average. The three numbers that we talked about earlier. Played 150 games almost 200 hits, the most hits he's ever had in a season, um, the the most RBIs he's had in a season, the best batting average he's had in a season. So he earned, he earned it. And and as far as I'm concerned, if J.D. Martinez comes back to Boston, Hellhammer, you're going to hear it from me first and and not last. He's not going to get booed. He's going to get a standing ovation. Catcher's going to stand up, not come crouch down. Pitcher's not going to be on the mound. They're going to give him a moment. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So, Rest assured, we're not we're not angry at JD Martinez, and we're we, we still root for him. Uh, Terry, go ahead, throw your two cents in. I mean, on one hand, you can say, well, Justin Turner hasn't really lit it up, you know, who's essentially his replacement. But on the other hand, I mean, I don't think JD was going to light it up either. I mean, he went on the injured list uh, after his April twenty third uh, start, and then only came back this. Uh, weekend uh, to face the Padres and he did have a three-run shot uh, three-run homer and the the Dodgers won that game four to two so he's a big part of that so perhaps this could be the start of what the Dodgers were hoping he would be but when you look at the clubhouse issues last year and the fact he's getting up there you got to move on from these guys after a while I mean do we like drastically miss Christian Vasquez right now I, I don't think so um, you know, I mean, you're, you're seeing a different vibe and, uh, a different chemistry and I'm almost sad we didn't move on from Kike in hindsight. I said in the last show, thank goodness we signed him, but you know, maybe, maybe this is the one year too late for holding on to him. So, uh, you know, best of luck to JD, but I, I think we got all the value out of him we could and, and, uh. I'm good with it. Cool. Um, right on. Cody, why don't you hit us with your second hot take? All right. So my second hot take is a doozy. Lots to unpack here. It's from Zach Walu. Um, apologies if I you know pronounce that incorrectly. Uh, they state, Kluber to the pen, Whitlock, Whitlock to the pen, excuse me, keep Tanner in the rotation and see what Cutter has when he gets back to battle with Pavetta. Also, Duval needs to be off the bench when he gets back. So, I mean, there's just 
a litany of different directions that you can take this. Um, in my opinion, uh, I've always been a proponent of Whitlock to the pen. I think that makes the most sense. I don't know why we're keep trying to put him into, into the rotation. He was lights out. He makes, you know, the game end at the sixth inning, right? You know, we go Whitlock, Martin, Jansen, six or seven, eight, nine, game's over, right? Nine times out of ten. I'm going to take that. I love that. Uh, Kluber to the pen, he can be your new Brazier. He can be your guy that you throw out there as a punching bag. He can be the guy that eats the innings, the long relief, you know, if somebody gets blown up early. That sounds great to me. Um, I've always liked um, Hulk in, in the rotation. I think he's, you know, a righty Chris Sale. The, the arm delivery looks the same. He's got the same, you know, breaking ball movement. Um, and Cutter has has been pretty much everything that we could have hoped for in this season so far. He's taken the ball in any situation, whether it be a long relief, whether it be an opener, whether it be a starter, whether it be bullpen relief. And he's, he's seemingly thrived, um, you know, up until he got that, that tweak. And I believe it was an oblique, right. For, for Cutter, keep me honest there, guys. Uh, for Cutter, it was a hamstring. Hamstring. My apologies. Boy, we got to get something going on with these hamstrings. I don't know what's happening <laughs> with this team. Um, but Duvall off the bench, I mean, if he can if he can keep that rhythm, I think that's a great place for him to be. You know, Terry has long talked about uh, Duvall's injury history. Um, you know, if that is, that is something, then, you know, maybe less is more. Um, or, you know, as we have previously talked, we can move Duvall, right? Because then we do have this surplus of... Uh, position as players that we can use at a multitude of different positions that only, you know, kind of lengthens our lineup and gives us, you know, the ability to rest guys. Cause we still have Mondesi coming back from, from the IL that we haven't even talked about yet. And so what do we do when he comes back? Right. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot to, to look forward to, which is, you know, again, the last three weeks of the season can't be the best part of the season. We have so many star players coming back, so much talent that could be returning to this lineup to inject, uh, you know, just a boost. Uh, I'm just looking forward to it. What are your guys' thoughts? So I, I won't get into Duvall. I've already kind of laid out that there's just so many moving parts to what could happen with him. Um, it, it's not unreasonable, though, that he could find himself in a bench spot. I will say that. Um, I don't think Kluber ever goes to the pen. I just feel like if it doesn't work out in the rotation, it simply doesn't work out. If somebody's going to the pen, it's going to be Whitlock, Houck, uh, and then possibly Crawford when he gets back. It's just, so I, I just think, you know, they, they would just simply cut ties with Kluber or trade him for somebody's, top 20 or top 30 prospect and just call it good. I, I don't, I don't see him ever going to the pen, but, um, Whitlock certainly, regardless of what they say, he's going to have the shortest leash ever. I'm convinced of that. He's going to have a couple of bad starts and there, you know, maybe the elbow starts barking again. He'll go to the pen. I, I don't, I would be shocked if, Whitlock makes more than four or five starts in the rotation. I, I just, why mess with it? Why mess with it? And uh, I don't know that Cutter versus Pavetta. I mean, that's a tough one for me. The, the unfortunate thing for Cutter is he has options. So they can simply, if they've got such a huge surplus, they can send him down and, and, 
still have room for other people up here. So Zach has this grand plan in his head and, you know, it's good to have an imagination, you know, that's part of what it, you know, that's part of what's fun about being a sports fan. And it's part of what's fun about having a surplus, you know, in in that area of the team. I don't know if it's a good surplus at this point, but, um, but yeah, so we'll see. So, you know, as it is the case normally with the three of us, I think we have a, a, we all think very similarly in a lot of regards. Kluber has made five relief appearances in his career, three in 2011, two in 2013, zero since then. Terry talked about it. I agree. If it doesn't work out, cut ties. Thank you for coming. We appreciate your, you having a, a cup of coffee with us in Boston. It just didn't work out. His career after this year may be done. Um, Whitlock to the pen, never should have left. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't take him out of the pen. Keep him in the pen. Uh, Tanner in the rotation, absolutely. Yes and thank you. And uh, you already talked about it, Terry, about the options. Cutter Crawford, I believe, has two. And Duvall, um, excuse me, uh, Pavetta has none. 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 Yeah. So you did mention that as well. Um, Cutter Crawford also has and feels comfortable pitching six innings in relief as evidenced by what he was able to do this year. Pavetta doesn't seem to understand what being in the bullpen means for some odd reason. I don't know if it's English as a second language or just dense, Um, but he must have forgotten that he came in as a reliever in the playoffs for us at one point. So short-term memory loss, I don't know. But um, to, to dissect it, Kluber to the pen, it's not going to happen. He'll just he'll go away. Whitlock back to the pen, never should have left. Tanner in the rotation, absolutely, let's go. Cutter can do whatever. Pavetta's going to be a head case, and he needs to really bounce back from where he was. Um, if, if Duvall ends up being your bench guy, where he's just coming off the bench, the Boston Red Sox have arguably the best pinch hitter in baseball. If he's just going to be batting once a night, and there's a chance that he'll have two home runs a week on seven at-bats or six at-bats. So um, I don't want it to be that way. I want him to be in the rotate. I want him to actually be in the lineup, but um, that's just me. Uh, Cody, anything? Oh, Terry, go ahead. Yeah. One other benefit to possibly moving Kluber, I mean, we're somewhat close to the luxury tax, and it's abundantly clear they do not want to exceed it. You might be, if you can move Kluber's salary with him, even if it's for a very underwhelming package, you you free up a little bit of space there. You can't really do that with Nick Pavetta. He's not making nearly as much, neither is Cutter Crawford. So it's just one, just one other motivating factor to potentially moving a guy like Kluber. Uh, right on. Cool. So, uh, Terry, why don't you give us your uh, second hot take? My second hot take. I got to pull it back up here. That is from Tom McCarthy. And uh, sticking with the surplus category, Trevor Story's presumptive return may do more harm than good. I get what Tom is saying. And I. I agree with it to an extent. I said in the last show, I don't want 
I don't want Emmanuel Valdez's bat coming out of that lineup. I know he's not, you know, a a great defender, but I think at second base, I think he's showing us higher upside than a guy like Kike would give us offensively. And he had that April Fool's home run that got called back because it was really a foul ball. But I think Valdez in in the coming days and weeks is going to start showing you that power, that 20 home run a year power. And I, I want his bat in the lineup. So if Kike never gets going, if he never gets momentum, worst case, it's a push. You know, it evens out. If Trevor Story is the Trevor Story of 2022, who never really got going, you're not missing much there, but you are gaining uh, elite defense. So I kind of half agree with what Tom is saying. He might be assuming that Kike does figure it out and he starts hitting those doubles that, you know, he hit so many of in 2021 and, you know, just helps you out offensively. But I I think people are expecting Trevor Story to come back and be 2017, 2018 Trevor Story. And I I don't think that's a given. You know, maybe next year after finally having a normal spring training, maybe he gets back to that. But that contract is not looking good uh, at the moment. As much as I wanted Story to be signed, I was all for it. But I I might be I might be wrong on that one. So, Cody, I mean, in regards to to the contract, it's it's tough to say, right? Because at the time it looked like it was a bargain, and then it looked like an albatross, and then you go to this off season where everybody's signing for you know nine figure deals, and now it's looking like a bargain again, right? But at the same time. It's all a matter of what can we get from it, right? What what production can we get out of Trevor Story? And, you know, he has shown that elite offensive upside. He had played above average second base, you know, for, for the games that he did play for us last year, which was all fine and dandy. Um, this could be like a Richard Blair, Matt Barnes situation where, like, if Story comes back, meaning, you know, Kike is, we'll call it, quote, unquote, relegated to the outfield, it could be an addition by addition, uh, you know, because then, you know, Kike's errors aren't hurting us from short base or shortstop, excuse me, or we can move into second base, spell Valdez or spell Mondesi, or we just become a positionless platoon platoon team. Or, you know, maybe Kike just needs a, a new situation, right? We can we can flip him for some of that much maligned starting uh, pitching that we have talked about. Um, I just can't see uh, a world in which bringing back the bat, bringing back the athleticism that Trevor Story has hurts this team. Uh, It just does not compute for me at this moment in time. I would be happy to be, you know, or I guess I wouldn't be happy to be wrong. I would uh, own up to being wrong if that ends up being the case. But at the moment in time, it just, you can't, you can't bring a player like that back into the mix and, and have it go poorly, in my opinion. I... We'll say this much as far as Trevor Story is con- uh, concerned. I really hope that he's able to come back and do a lot better than what he did last year. So I understand where Tom is coming from. So, Tom, thank you for your uh, input on this. I'm really curious to see what Adalberto Mondesi does too. Because if Mondesi ends up being a, a better weapon 
uh, at short, then he's he's not going to get short, and Trevor Story will have to manage second base. Um, shortstop has been a problem with Kike Hernandez this year. Trevor Story used to play short. There's that going on for him too, or that going for him. Um, Trevor Story also has a lot more pop in his bat. The problem is Trevor Story is fragile. It's a piece of glass, and can go down at you know in a moment's notice. He's had injury problems his his career um, in Colorado as well. So doing more harm than good, definitely a possibility, but we're really hoping that's not a, like a high probability. So um, I hope that doesn't end up being the case, Tom. I hope that, you know, Trevor comes back and he just takes all of us by storm and just does phenomenally for the time that he's able to play when he recovers. Uh, Terry, anything else you want to add? I haven't had time to get through this article, but I was just kind of checking up on, Alberto Mondesi and it's saying he is not close to a return and he is not expected to begin a rehab assignment in the near future. So I I don't know where that fits. Trevor story is throwing from 75 feet right now down in Florida and he's hitting baseballs again. So that tells me, um, He's going to be up before Mondesi, and then we'll see. Like I said, I'm a big Valdez guy, and if he continues hitting at that clip, it's just going to, you know, at best complicate things. So we'll, we'll see. All right, right on. Uh, Cody, anything else you want to add? Cool. All right, so the second hot take that I had here comes from Roberto G at Roberto G4. Haim might end up working out fine. Um, first off, Roberto, thank you. Uh, second off, um, how do I say this a little diplomatically? <laughs> um, so I, I want to revisit a couple things. Haim Bloom will first off be remembered as the person who was at the helm for having to trade arguably the most athletically gifted player that the Red Sox have seen in, I don't know how many decades, probably four, five, six decades. Mookie Betts getting traded for Cheater Downs, who's not on our team anymore, plays for Washington and is still a nothing. Uh, Connor Wong, who finally is starting to light it up like a Christmas tree. And uh, Alex Verdugo, who is having a phenomenal year, but it took four years for it to happen. You have that. The Boston Red Sox in 2020 were 24 and 36, good for fifth out of five in the AL East. They finished 2021 uh, second with 92 wins and lost in the ALCS after going up two to one uh, to the Houston Astros. In 2022, we found ourselves in the basement again, 78 and 84, fifth place. The Boston Red Sox so far right now after today's performance are 22 and 19, three games over 500 and are in fifth place again. The last time that the Red Sox were in last place three years out of four was 2012, 2014, 2015. Uh, that was the pancake year uh, in, in between uh, the, the Red Sox winning in 2013. We have not come close to winning a World Series with Heim Bloom at the helm. Just to give uh, people a little bit of an idea the Boston Red Sox, let's say Haim Bloom is, is here in three years. It's not going to happen. 
but let's just say it, it, it is. The Boston Red Sox have allocated over $75 million to four players. Trevor Story, Rafael Devers, Masahiro Tanaka, and Garrett Whitlock. Those four guys. You've committed $80 million uh, in 2026 and 2027 because Rafael Devers goes up a couple million. Uh, you see Trevor Story go up a couple million. And then uh, Garrett Whitlock also goes up a little bit as well. I'm struggling to think that Haim Bloom is going to end up working out fine because Haim Bloom is missing one key bit about being a GM. Haim Bloom does not want to get rid of the pieces that he drafts. He wants to hold on to every single prospect. He does not want to let go of his prospects. It's like taking a toy away from a child when they're five years old. It's going to cause tears, probably a tantrum, and a very uncomfortable, awkward parent-child moment at, you know, a then 90s Toys R Us, which if you were born in 2000 or later, you probably have no idea what we're talking about. But for the three old people that are on this tonight, you know what I'm talking about. The only way that I would say that Haim might end up working out fine at this point, after having three of four last place finishes, is a World Series win. That is the only thing right now that, in my opinion would say that Haim might end up working out fine. And there have been GMs that have won the World Series and not come back the following year. Haim Bloom, in if, if I'm speaking candidly, if he wins the World Series with the Boston Red Sox, you better believe I'm packing my bags and trying to go anywhere else because I know it's not going to happen two years in a row. But in order for that to be the case, for Haim to end up working out fine, start trading prospects, you can't hold on to all of them go get some starters because we need them and we need to win a world series that's my two cents four cents ten cents dollar whatever you want to call it uh terry you look like you're chomping at the bit anything you want to add you said then, Ma- we'll- you said Masahiro Tanaka instead of Masataki oh, Yoshida. thank you <laughs> you didn't uh, even okay. mix the names uh, you just went full-on no. yankees pitcher yeah you know uh, sorry, sorry. That's that's awful. I have been up <laughs> okay. almost twenty four hours. I am on fumes right now. But yeah, no. So Yoshida was one of those four people, and it's it's an ungodly amount of money. There are some teams that are under sixty million for their whole team. We are hamstrung eighty million on four guys in twenty twenty six. Is it? Yeah, and then seventy six million in twenty twenty five and twenty twenty seven. Seventy six million for four players. That's going to be tough. And granted, that's not all on Hein Bloom. But I'm saying, you know, it, it is going to take. Uh, I'm hearing some major feedback in the background. I'm not sure who it was. Um, that's that. So, in order for me to say it's going to work out just fine, we need a world. We need a genuine, real, realistic run at a World Series title. And right now, we're. Ch- just not there because we have a lot of good pieces, but not all of them. Yeah, why don't I still go? Because yeah. I think I'm I'm on your side of the spectrum. Then Cody can give. Uh, I'm assuming what will be a, a few counterpoints. Um, so, like I said, I mean, the teams impressed me so far, and I'm convinced that Yoshida is not going to be the bust that I thought he would be. 
I don't know if he's going to be 16-game hitting streak Yoshida all year because the Cardinals seem to figure out how to deal with him just fine. Um, But at the same time, I'm just not there yet. I don't think we're a playoff team. And if we're not a playoff team, I think... I think ownership will part ways with Hein Bloom because the next the next executive that comes in will have a relatively clean slate with not a ton of payroll on the books. And I, I just I don't think Bloom has a fundamental understanding of of how to build a, a solid pitching staff, you know, so. We'll see, but I still think we we miss the playoffs pretty handily. Hey, is the feedback pretty bad still, or yeah. are we sounding better? I think you need to Perfect. move your mic or something. You're on mute now. Oh, he left. All right, he's going yeah, to join back gonna in. going to come back in, yeah. I'm not sure that's going to fix it, but it it might. uh, We'll we'll see. But so I'll say this much. So Terry, you and I have always been aligned with uh, our opinions and our view of Heim Bloom. Like, is he the worst GM president of baseball operations? No. But are there going to be moments where we're going to be scratching our heads, kind of wondering, "Uh, God, why didn't we do this? Uh, Cody, I, I know you patiently are waiting. So go ahead. It's all good. Hopefully, I sound a little bit better now. No, <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's that's all right. He's I still never, want to hear your take. He's never had that. Um, so, do we count the bubble year to be a real year? Then, quick question no. before I start. No. So we don't. No. Okay. So then, in Heim Bloom's tenure, the closest that an AL East team has gotten to the World Series has been which team? Um. The 2021 Boston Red Sox, I believe. That's, that's well, the only one. Well, I mean, the Rays did go to the World Series. Bubble year, though. Oh, I thought you were talking about... that. No, that was 2020 when they went, and it was kind of an asterisk because it was 2020, but I'm just Correct. saying... I. The, the problem I have with Bloom is this pitching rotation, which is still one of the worst in Major League Baseball, especially I'm after... I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. The problem I've had with Bloom is he built this rotation with the same exact mindset as he did with the 2021 rotation that was so flawed, badly flawed. I mean, Garrett Richards and Martin Perez didn't even pitch they didn't even start games in the postseason i mean that year was just an anomaly we've never seen anything like it before that and i don't think we'll we'll see another one after it fair enough but i mean calling a spade a spade in his tenure in boston out of all the al east teams this powerhouse that has had four out of the top five teams in the al this year bloom has been the closest to a world series ring if we if we are discounting the bubble year, uh, admittedly the Rays obviously went to the World Series in 2020. I, if you can only play the games that are in front of you, they were the closest in my opinion. But if we're not counting the bubble year, the Red Sox have been the closest out of all AL East teams to be into the World Series since he took over in Boston. He has debatably won every trade that he's been a part of, and absolutely I agree. You cannot 
you cannot hoard all of your prospects, but at the same time, he came into a farm system that was absolutely scorched, burned, with no no talent in it, right? And then we're kind of still seeing that to a little bit of an extent. Baseball isn't a sport unless you're getting the first overall pick where you can draft a Strasburg or a, Har- a Harper or a Machado and put them, you know, a plug-and-play type of organization, right? These guys do need time to develop. Is it going to be one of those situations where Bloom gets hired, he has his time, he resets, and then he gets fired before those prospects uh, prosper? Absolutely. Because the, pros- the the product that has been put on the field for the last three to four years has been largely unacceptable. I, I can't sit here and tell you that, hey, these fifth-place finishes are okay. I see the vision. I'm willing to trust the process because you're right. If this is not winning baseball. Charlie, to what you had mentioned, you know, we're, we're committing $76 million to four players. You have contracts going out this offseason that are going to be committing $40 million to a single player. So if we're going to get four, four positions for $76 million, but you're going to allocate and say, hey, we need to sign big top-line talent and, you know, throw the bag at these individual players – you can't have it both ways. You know, it's either you're going to be financially responsible and you're going to be in a position where you have that, that roster flexibility, or you're going to be that big, you know, that big league team that just says, Hey, you know, we're the Brinks truck. We're that, we're that upper tier echelon organization, which the Red Sox have been in years past. We're going to throw the bag and then, you know, whatever happens ends up happening, but we've been burned by that, right? You look at the Crawford deal, you look at the Sandoval deal, you look at, unfortunately the price. Yes. We got a ring out of it, it was an albatross for a large part of that deal. And then we had to offload bets to, to the Dodgers to have them eat that deal. I mean, it was time is a flat circle. We saw it again in 2019, as we did in 2012, when we had to get rid of Adrian Gonzalez to get off of, of Crawford and Beckett. So, you know, it's, it's not like Bloom came into what we would call a rosy situation and then absolutely, you know, decimated where this organization was and, and, turned it from a winning organization into a losing organization. We're coming high off of 2018, had a terrible 2019, and now we've got to rebuild or replenish or restock. I do need to see him start making some moves in the offseason and and training some of these prospects for some proven major league talent because winning on, on prospects is not a, a smart game in baseball, right? Thank you so much. Uh, that, thank you. Right. It, That's the thing. Right. We're 100% in alignment with that because a prospect is great, right? The sky's the limit for these prospects. But at the same point in time, I mean, baseball is a game where if you go three out of 10, you're in the Hall of Fame. And I feel like it's even harder in, in the prospect projection game. And so, you know, if he doesn't start making some moves that, you know, pass the sniff test for, for a, a large part of Red Sox organization, it's going to be harder to sit here and, and trust the process. So one thing I, I also want to add, he he came from Tampa Bay with uh was Andrew Friedman right Terry I think Friedman was also in that group uh, early on and then uh, I forget the name of their current one that's been there and, since Friedman left in 2014 right, I think right so here's the thing what was Tampa Bay doing when they're like give us your broken your damned and your poor and we'll turn them into superstars. Why isn't he not able to do that with us? Why is it that what worked there, unless like, I mean, Terry has, has coined the expression like, yep, this person went here and this person went there and we were left, we got the dumb guy. Because there's some moves where you're like, mm, that one really, that one doesn't even pass the eye test. That one doesn't make any sense. Trading for JBJ, 
a drunk person wouldn't have done that. And and I like JBJ. Like I think he's he's great, but I would not have made that trade. There have been a couple other ones that were kind of head scratchers, and that was one that uh, you know at, at the time I knew that wasn't going to age well. In relation to our GM before, it was like Chainsaw Dave. We're just going to get rid of everybody because we're going to try to win a World Series. And guess what? We did. We did. And it depleted our farm. Absolutely. And, you know, we were probably bottom five in Major League Baseball for for a farm system. We had to make crazy trades to start to replenish and get some talent, whatever. I get that. But Dave Dombrowski, the difference is Dave Dombrowski traded for Tyler Thornburg a couple years ago, right? And we all thought, oh, wow. We're going to get Thornburg. That's awesome. This this guy had a ridiculous year. But he it, it just didn't work out. And we gave up Travis Shaw, someone who's expected to be our third baseman. Uh, we gave up two other prospects uh, in addition to Travis Shaw. I think it was actually four total players. Um, and one of them is in the bigs now, uh, Mauricio Dubon. And a couple other people were in that deal as well. It just, it just didn't work out. It, it, it is what it is. But that deal, the reason why that happened is, okay, you get rid of Travis Shaw, we're going to commit to Rafi Devers. That one made sense. On the, on the flip side with, with High and Bloom, we're trading to get Jackie Bradley back. And yes, I get it. That, that came packaged with a couple of prospects as well. But we've been getting – the person we traded away to get Jackie Bradley back has punished us not once but twice this year. And I'm sure he'll continue to do it because – Hunter Renfro was made for Fenway Park. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Terry, I feel like you you got that pen like ready. Something else you want to add? Well, I, I know Cody's going to want to weigh in uh, here as well. Um, I just, I hate the pitching. I just, I absolutely hate it. And it's going to be the sole reason we miss the playoffs this year, if we miss it. And... There's nothing Heimbloom has done in his four previous off seasons that tells me, okay, he will get it right finally in his fifth year. He'll get it right in his fifth year. He'll he'll commit to, uh, and I'm not asking for, I mean, I would have loved Verlander, obviously, but I'm not asking to blow the market away and to give up like a Garrett Cole type contract. I've never been that guy. You know, go get your solid mid-level guys, your Chris Bassett, your your uh, Kevin Gosman type guys. That's what I want to see. And he hasn't shown me that. You know, he, he brings in Corey Kluber and then the Bluminati cherry picks certain things they like on the baseball savant page. And it, it's not working out. It's just not working out. If I asked you guys who his best starting pitcher that he's acquired you know on the free agent market is you're going to tell me it was michael waka and sure he was he was okay and he's turning it around right now in in san diego but he still missed a third of the season and that was a small part of, of why we didn't make the postseason because he was injury prone and last year's rotation was not sustainable and sustainability is the hallmark of his tenure here uh, in terms of starting pitching. So, I mean, Sale is doing well right now. We'll see if it keeps up. We'll see if he can give you – I mean, you're going to need him to give you 180 innings, I think. You know, I I don't think he can give you less than that. You're going to need 
Tanner Houck to get more consistent. You're going to have to have Garrett Whitlock's elbow actually hold up. You're going to need Kluber to figure it out. I don't think that's going to happen. I oh, really, I keep oh, giving that we need take. A starter. Um, we need starter. You, you need Pavetta to have the best year of his career. I just don't see how it's going to happen. That's why I, I'm just... I can't get there. And, and you're still going to have guys like Yoshida and, and perhaps Duran and uh, a couple other guys, Verdugo, they're going to go through their slumps. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to have 13 come from behind victories every month. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I don't know if, if we're out of it by mid August, it's going to be an ugly finish. It's going to be an ugly finish. And that same media, you know, the Heymans, the Rosenthal's that destroyed the Red Sox front office all winter, they're going to get back on it again. And I just think it's going to be very hard to justify, uh, you know, giving Bloom another shot. I will say this. The the path to the forest is occluded, right? Uh, I can't sit here and tell you what he has done with the starting rotation has been um, acceptable or, you know, something to build upon. I wouldn't necessarily categorize myself as a Bluminati because I don't agree with everything that he's done. But in the same vein, I want to be optimistic that our front office has a plan, right? Because otherwise, then it's like, what are we doing? I can't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to follow a team, be a fan of, be a diehard fan and be like, I disagree with everything. The sky's falling. So that's kind of where I would say my allegiances lie, right? Because those, I mean, you know, Terry, you and I did a lot of shows together this this offseason when, um, oh, excuse me, uh, the guy that went to the Mets, um, I'm blanking, you just mentioned him. Um, Verlander. Not, not no. Verlander. Um, Chris Bassett. Uh, oh, okay. oh he went to those Toronto, deals, actually, but yeah. Oh, Toronto. Okay, so him and Gosman, because these were going to be my points, right? Like, those are the deals that I was like, dang, like, why aren't we getting those deals? And I think I said that over the winter. I was like, man, like, these are the ones that we need to be making, like, the ones that are, you know, uh, a mild investment at the very least within these, you know, these pitchers that have had good, you know, peripheral statistics, good counting numbers for, for you know, depending upon which camp you're in, are you, you know, stats-based or are you raw numbers-based? But you don't need to be throwing the bag, Terry, like you mentioned, right? You don't need to be giving these, you know, two, three, four hundred million dollar deals. Like, give us starting pitchers, give us accountable players, give us major league talent. And, you know, he's, I would say, done that in other areas. He built the bullpen this offseason and, you know, we've reaped the benefits of it so far. He just hasn't done it on the starting pitching. Uh, It's been unfortunate. I think it is going to be the big bugaboo for the season, which is, you know, going to be the ultimate demise if we don't figure it out the the question i ask myself every day is do we win a world series faster with bloom or without bloom and to me it's always without bloom i mean so all the other ones won one so right 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 so i think that you're right we're gonna win one without bloom but the next one that we win will be because of some of the moves that bloom made I, I think so, you uh, have to be. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So, Dombrowski didn't win, win one in Detroit, but we look at that Detroit team, and there's no way that team shouldn't have won a World Series, right? Like Agreed. they had some of the most insane bad luck, or ran into buzzsaws, you know, 
hey, we are the beneficiary of it in 2013. That team was a juggernaut. And I think batted sub. We were under the Mendoza line in the ALCS and somehow, you know, won that series. But like, so would his tenure in Detroit be a failure failure because he didn't win a World Series? I don't look at it that way because he went to two. You know, he won two pennants. Um you know, that's an, that's an interesting. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting que- question there. Um, he he won one before. Completely. He won one before yeah, Detroit. Completely. He won one after. And yeah, because he, he won one with one Florida, with, I think. Yeah, the Marlins, Florida. and then won one with us. Yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. The, so. And the Giants were just ridiculous. I think that was what twenty twelve, and yeah. uh, they they won. They were like the evens. They they missed the odds. They, they it was 10, 12, really bizarre. 10, 12, and 14, yeah, they won every other year, which is just goofy. But the the Giants, I mean, you look back at that team, for example, right? What was the one thing that San Francisco had that we don't have? Starting pitching. Elite starting pitching. They had two or three starters that were all ace-worthy. Matt Cain, stud. Tim Lincecum, stud, the freak. And then uh, Madison Bumgarner, who was – ridiculous and and top three pitcher in baseball uh matt kane also a star for a couple of years and then tim Lincecum the freak was just insane for a couple of years so uh, that's the major difference offense can only do so much pitching is what wins ball games pitching is what wins in the playoffs because the first 162 or 163 games depending on how many uh, if you have to do like a wild card game those games don't matter playoff games matter and if your pitchers can't win in the playoffs, your 120 and 42 record means nothing. That's that that means that you you didn't you didn't finish the job. You you started it off great, but you didn't finish it out. Uh, Terry or Cody, anything else that you guys want to add to that take? Because I feel like oof, we could keep going about that one all night. Yeah, I'm I'm all set with it for now. Perfect. All right, right on. So that's going to wrap it up for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first-time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. And to those that uh, submitted hot takes, we appreciate that as well. Whether you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we thank you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.